0: Back in 1963, five Portland teenagers booked an hour-long session at a local ramshackle recording studio. But in spite of the fact that most of them were still learning their instruments, that night, the Kingsmen recorded one of the most important songs in all of rock and roll history. Kingsman version of Louie Louie is considered by many to be the harbinger of garage rock and punk. It was considered so wild in its time that the FBI investigated the band. And this weekend, to celebrate the 60th anniversary of its release, dozens of musicians are gathering at Afro Gallery and putting on a 24-hour Louie Louie cover marathon. So today on CityCast Portland, we have Dick Peterson, the last remaining original member of the Kingsman, and Luke Strahoda, one of the organizers of the Louis Louie marathon, to share with us some often overlooked Portland music history. It's Thursday, October 5th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is What Portland's Talking About. Luke, Dick, thanks so much for joining us this morning.
1: My pleasure. having us.
0: I feel like there was a clear before and after once the Kingsman's recording of Louie Louie hit the airwaves. Dick, I know you joined the band shortly after it was recorded, but you saw the effect that the song had, you know, In popular culture. Could you explain that significance of Louis Louis to a younger generation who might not understand?
1: Yeah, I was 17 at the time and we had the draft and the original drummer and the original bass player were drafted. And so I joined the band that summer Mm. in 63. No one knew the record was even going to be released nationally. We were just a local group making $20 a piece a weekend. Um, And the band was trying to get a job for the summer of 63 on a cruise line. And so Lynn's father, it was the, the contact with the cruise line and Ken Chase, who was at KISN radio went into the recording studio for $36 and recorded four songs in less than an hour. Louie Louie was one of them. Now, Realized that when Louie Louie was recorded by the man that wrote it, Richard Berry, it was a Jamaican Calypso song. Yeah. And he did it um, in a Calypso beat, and he did it like, uh, it was Louie (laughs) Louie. We gotta go, right? Yeah. Well, by the time it, it hit the Northwest, nobody did it reggae, because... Everybody up here, young musicians, thought that bum 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 sounded just like ooh, be do ba doo do ba do, ba. You know, it was just simple. And having only just a few microphones, you couldn't hear the vocal. the The record was released locally; like five hundred copies were pressed up. But Jerry Dinan, the producer from Seattle, went to a, a record convention, and he had the record, and it was really. Pretty bad, <laughs> but he thought it was great. He gave a copy to Arnie Wu Ginsburg, a DJ in Boston, who had a fifty thousand watt radio station that beamed all over the East Coast. He was on a mission to find the worst record ever recorded. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I mean like that's a mission. <laughs> he would
1: put records on every evening, and they would have a competition A against B, and the kids would phone in. No, oh, that's that's the worst piece I ever heard. And so Louie Louie started winning every single night. Pretty soon, and you know, if you hear something, even if you don't like it and it's horrible, pretty soon you hear it enough, you start liking it. And the kids were dancing to it in Boston and having a great time. So Arnie called Jerry and said, when is this record coming out? We could sell these up here. The, the band could come in and play. Not, you know, get this going. Mm-hmm. So within a couple of days, Louie Louie was released in Boston. simultaneously. The kids in in Alabama, at the University of Alabama, were listening to Arnie on the radio. They wanted to buy it. Now we're talking December. Once they got the record, they couldn't understand the lyrics. So they thought, if you take Jamaican lyrics that you can't hear, uh, and you try to put English lyrics with a Southern accent, because they thought it was a Southern black band, then you get dirty lyrics out of it, and all of a sudden the record sounded dirty to them. One of them went home to Indiana for Christmas, played it for his well-connected mom. She was well-connected and called the governor of Indiana. And the governor of Indiana, without even hearing it, Matthew Walsh, banned the record because it was filthy. The Kings were on the front of every newspaper in the country that we were getting away with these dirty lyrics and we were subversives. We were destroying the moral fiber of the youth of America. We needed Perry Mason because they were taking us to court. J. Edgar Hoover then got a hold of it, and he started an FBI investigation.
0: Yeah, Dick, you know, I was going to ask you, were you in the ban when the FBI opened a case against Absolutely. the recording?
1: Absolutely. They followed us. All of a sudden, here we are on our first tour. We're, William Morris called. We didn't know it was such a big deal because it was, it was being banned across the country, and the kids think, thought we were getting away with something, and the crowds all of a sudden were huge. William Morris was booking us all over the place, and instead of just seeing kids in the audience after a few weeks, all of a sudden, here are these gray flannel suit guys, and they're writing down everything we say, they're writing down our whole show, they were recording us, they were recording Louie Louie, and the crazy thing, Claudia, when we would start to play, the kids would stop dancing. And they would pull out their lyric sheets because everybody had a different version. And they would read along with whatever I was singing. Everyone was sure they had the right lyrics. That's so funny. And the FBI would, They would pull theirs out. They followed us and they were at our concerts for a year before they had a hearing to have the band lifted. And once the band was lifted, because the judge listened to it, and, you know, the judge is like, are you sure this is the record you're talking about? This thing is like number one. They're, yeah, listen to it. It's filthy. And so he said, I'm going to agree with the FCC. The lyrics are unintelligible at any speed. And I'm going to lift the band because I can't tell what they're saying. And the, the the do-gooders, supposedly from the time, were all like, this is insane. Well, as soon as the band was lifted, then it hit the radio. We were on TV. We did American Bandstand several times. We Everybody had to have a song.
0: You know what, Dick? I feel like what happened with this song is that it made rock and roll even that much more dangerous, which is interesting. But the irony is that the lyrics were always there because, you know, Richard Berry had the song recorded. And from what I heard, he even based that tune on something else. Like, I just loved all the iterations of Louie Louie as we know it. Before that, it was El Loco Cha Cha, which was popularized by Rene toze who's like this Afro-Cuban you know, yeah. Yeah. band leader. And so I just love that every generation has like a version of
1: their Louie Louie, which is kind of beautiful, you know? And it just it just keeps going. It's on television now on a on an NFL ad.
0: <laughs> so Luke, I feel like you're more of like the cultural reporter on this song. Is there a way that you could surmise, you know, what it was, like how rock and roll was before this song hit and then after? Like, what would you say, Luke?
2: I mean, when Richard Berry wrote it, it was less than five years after the birth of Rock and Roll. So it was early. And I got to say, once Louie Louie started getting filtered and filtered and splintered through all these raw, simple, we're going to do the best we can with what we got attitude. And then that just exploded into the garage rock movement where everybody could afford guitars and recording equipment and everybody, you know, from the age of 10 to 30 started garage rock bands. And then you fast forward to Iggy Pop doing Louie Louie.
1: Yeah. Everybody's
2: covered it. Everybody from Barry White to Tina Turner to-
1: Julie London.
2: Julie London, <laughs> uh, Sherman Hemsley from yeah. the Jeffersons. He's got a version.
1: If you go, Claudia, if you go to the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that's its de- designation, that it is the most recorded song in history. Over a thousand yeah. recordings of that song.
2: Oh, my God. It's everywhere. For
1: sure. And I must say, let me let, let me interject this. I think that without the Kingsman version, which obviously was the biggest one, you know, 20-some mm-hmm. million records, without that version, Louie Louie would not happen because it's not a great song. It was just a great recording and people who record it now are doing it because of that. Yeah. Without that garbly recording, without any of that stuff with the FBI, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened. It was just a firestorm that we were fortunate to be in front of.
0: Well, it was a great song because I mean before Kingsman recorded it, it was being played. I mean, which is kind of funny because it was such a huge song at at Sock Hops. Like, it felt like kids doing something. And I can only imagine the teenagers, even though they were like, this is awful, they're like, it's ours. And also, like, wait, it's pissing off my parents? Oh, I love this even more. (laughs) (laughs) This is now my favorite song. But real quick, I, this is I just wondered if you two could could dispel something I heard of course that the FBI you know opened up this case and then they were just like okay we can't hear anything it's fine whatever let's move on but I heard that there's still a faint f-bomb from the drummer who dropped a drumstick and they just didn't hear it is that true that like there was an <laughs> f-bomb in the recording and the FBI just for some reason didn't hear the actual f-bomb
1: yes. If you listen closely at the end of the guitar solo, you'll hear a a yell. And that was Lynn who yelled the F-bomb when he dropped a drumstick. But, you know, when the thing was recorded, Mike, the guitar player, who is a wonderful human, um, Mike said, when they listened to it back, there's too many guitar mistakes in the solo. I need to fix that. And the classic line is, it's only going to be heard by the, uh, cruise ship company no one's ever going to hear it no one's ever going to notice it don't even worry about it and then mike of course he listens to it every 10 minutes on the radio for five years and he hears every mistake again forever it's it's implanted with all of its mistakes it's it's kind of crazy
0: all right well let's take a quick break here and when we come back let's talk about how Louie Louie changed the northwest music scene I think a lot of us are missing that big piece of Portland rock history, you know, like how the Kingsmen were connected to the local music scene, because you just think of this recording and it's it's bigger than Portland. It's bigger than the music scene here. It's bigger than, it's just like, it's iconic. It's like the rock and roll song. Dick, could you tell us just a little bit about playing out as the Kingsmen back in the day in Portland during that era? Like
1: what it felt like? Yeah, it was like being a Beatle for about a year and a half. I mean, <laughs> our crowds were gigantic. The kids literally thought we were getting away with something that, that was classic. And and not only that, once they saw us live, our album took off. And I have to tell you, you know, in that day, the Northwest was very isolated. We had the Rocky Mountains on one side, and it was a long, you know, almost 1,500 miles to L.A. We didn't have radio stations here that were beamed from San Francisco or to San Francisco. Our radio stations were mostly 100,000 watts. You had KJR in Seattle and KISN here in Portland. And so our music scene was not national like everyone else. We just picked up on national things. And when Louie Louie hit, it was so simple and so easy, and we were so local, Seattle and Portland is all are, are the only places we played, that all the other bands were like, wow, if you guys can do it, we can do it you know yeah. and all of a sudden the record companies were coming to the northwest looking for another kingsman and all of a sudden the northwest with garage rock was being heard
0: right i feel like it it really did bring the first huge spotlight to the northwest and our rock and roll music here was just like well louie louie and to me like a lot of people don't know that when I say, Oh, you know, Louie Louie, the, the most the, the most famous recording, not the song itself, but like that's that was recorded in Portland. I was like, no. And I'm like, yes. Like yeah. that is that is the birth of Garage Rock right there. I don't know if you guys ever been to a Red Sox game, but when you go see the Red Sox, Dirty Water plays, right? Like yes. that is like, you know, love that dirty water, you know, which it's just like, you know, such a good Garage rock song. It's the standouts, right? So what I'm hoping, I don't know if you know this, but Portland might get our, our own like major league baseball. Oh. How cool would it be if oh my God. our like rally song was Louie Louie, but no one knew the words and we're just. That's, it's just mumbled. Just m- a, whole, whole, a, dar- just a <laughs> whole stadium. like, stadium. Yeah, I'm yeah. in. Let's
1: go. I'm oh in. my God.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Can I add something to that? Please, Luke. In May My partner and I went down to LA to see the 50th anniversary of uh, the Nuggets box set performed live by Lenny Kay and all the awesome musicians. And it was towards the end and Lenny said, all right, this next song is absolutely the undisputed uh, anthem of garage rock. And they went into Gloria. What? (laughs) Yeah, and and I'm not kidding, I'm not kidding. I I was sitting next to this woman, have no clue and we, and we both looked at each other and we said Louie Louie. <laughs> yeah That's like the song. Ev- like <laughs> it's like
0: where's Louie, Gloria?
2: Louis? Yeah. It's
0: because they covered it. It's you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. Is but it yeah. Luke, why is it Louie Louie for you?
2: It's it's like I said, it's a gateway song. Anybody can play it. You learn those three chords and you are off and running. Louie Louie pissed off parents. It gave kids the the courage to be like I can do that. I don't have to be perfect. It's Louie Louie. You put your energy and your conviction into it and it will transcend because it's beautiful and everybody can get it. And also the Kingsman's Louie Louie. It's Portland. I love Portland. I love my city. It just feels like home. And it sounds, sounds like Portland. It's muddy. It's dirty. It's messy, drives (laughs) people crazy, but other people (laughs) love it. Other people love it.
0: And it's like, it's it. Let's talk about the most perfect way to to, you know, celebrate this song that has is the most covered song in the history of rock and roll. Tell us about this yeah. marathon Luke that you've put together.
2: Uh, I had the idea 13 14 years ago and as soon as I kind of came into my head, I contacted my buddy Matt Stanger and he's part of our Louie Louie Committee Committee and matt has done
0: <laughs> sorry that's funny
2: <laughs> matt has done some amazing shows and i was like told him about it and matt had been inspired by louie louie marathons since he was a kid because growing he was in he was growing up in idaho and there was a radio station somewhere where he was growing up and the the dj started playing all these different versions of louie louie people kept calling telling him to stop. it was driving him <laughs> nuts. And he just kept playing Louie Louie for 24 hours. Just That's all amazing. these different... And so I was like, okay, well, it sounds like we're in. And, but it's like, it's that thing where it's, it's one thing to come up with a a great idea and tell all your friends about it, you know, when you're drinking or having fun or whatever. Oh yeah, let's do Louie Louie. And it, it just kind of permeated in You know the wish list of our community's consciousness and then in the at the end of april matt called me and he's like hey i just realized this year's the 60th anniversary of the kingsman's louis louis if we're gonna do it we should do it this year and i was like oh man i don't know (laughs)
0: You're like like, that's a lot of work, man. Twenty four hours. That's a lot of Louis. Now now
2: it's real, (laughs) but we jumped in, and so we are doing it at the Afru Afru Gallery, located at five thirty fourth Southeast Oak, across the street from Andy and Bax and the Coffin Club.
0: Tell me a little bit about the breadth of artists that will be performing.
2: Holy smokes. We, well, right now, I think we've got somewhere between 70 and 75 performers. Whoa. Uh, we have the Kingsmen playing the first and the last version of Louie Louie. So at 6 p.m. on Saturday, October 7th, Kingsmen are going to kick it off. And then at 6 p.m. on Sunday, October 8th, the Kingsmen are going to wrap it up.
0: Awesome. Uh, That's so great. We've got
2: Soraya, the Tuvan throat singer. We have somebody doing ASMR. We,
0: <laughs> Dick, do you know what that is? Do you know what ASMR is? I have no idea. Is <laughs> <fun>? <laughs> it's when people do this and they talk like this. And it's going to be ah, like maybe, you- maybe she'll have like something crinkly while she's I, doing it.
2: I hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's going to be really interesting, Dick. I hope you're there for that one.
1: I'm going to be there as much as I can because is- <laughs> I do enjoy Insanity and this is insane
2: it's peak uh but no we've got everything from we got punk bands Ukrainian punk we've got psych bands we've got the the unipiper is going to be playing oh gosh uh, we've got the cascadians they're a ska band they're going to do like a 15 minute version of Toots and the Maytals version of Louie Louie oh i love that um we have a 50 piece marching band that is going to be Stationed inside the venue, they're gonna (laughs) blow the roof off the place. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. Um,
0: That's awesome. It's just
2: scratched the surface of what we have in store.
0: That's great. Well, thank you so much, Luke and Dick, for taking the time to talk, you know, about not only the marathon, but just the significance of this recording. Dick, thanks so much for your service, sir.
1: You come on down and get on stage with us and help us kick it off. (laughs) Hell yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding at all. We'll give you the microphone. 6 p.m. Whatever lyrics you know, sing them.
2: One of the only two requirements for this marathon is that we're telling our performers, stick to the chorus, stick to the chords. Everything else is up to you. We're telling people, do your your authentic version of Louie Louie. And if you tune in at 3 a.m. and you see two members of our committee committee, (laughs) <laughs> uh, on on screen and one of us is playing a kazoo and the other person's hitting a snare drum. Well, that's Louie Louie. The
0: Louie Louie Marathon starts at 6 p.m. this Saturday and will go on until 6 p.m. on Sunday at Afrut Gallery. That's AFRU Gallery in Southeast Portland. Here's a few other events to look forward to in the coming weeks. On Saturday, October 21st at 8 p.m., Luke Strahoda's long-running Nuggets Night, that's where Portland bands pay tribute to the lost gems of 60s Garage, Psych, and Beyond, will be held at the world-famous Kenton Club. It'll be $10 to $15 sliding scale, benefiting Friends of Noise, no pre-sale tickets, you just gotta show up. Also tomorrow, Foo Fighters tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. for a concert in August of next year that will debut Providence Park as Portland's largest live music venue. And the Portland Night Market is also happening tomorrow night from 3 to 10 p.m. in Southeast Portland. There will be food, music, drinks, and it's free. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. that's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. You can email us at portland at citycast.fm or leave us a voicemail at 503-208-5448. If you have any comments on anything you hear on the show, and if you'd like to support CityCast Portland, please share, rate, and subscribe. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you with Slims.